I am Michael Movestro, and you're listening to the Vegas Bright Podcast, episode 29. This is kind of a special episode of the Vegas Bright Podcast, so if you're tuning in just to learn about laparoscopic uh, gallbladder removal surgery, whatever the medical term is, uh, and you found us through a search or someone recommended you to this podcast to learn more, skip ahead to the 11-minute mark and start at about 11.05. The Vegas Bright Podcast. From VegasBright.com. So podcast, it's a Vegas podcast. And welcome to the Vegas Bright Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Movestro, and it is great to be here, great to be back doing the podcast. Took a bit of a hiatus, uh, and some of that hiatus was not expected at all. My last podcast was February 5th, and then there were some conflicting schedules and things like that. Couldn't really make a podcast happen. Uh, and then I landed in the ER and uh, had to have surgery and that delay things even further. So I just want to thank everybody for their well wishes and their best wishes. Uh, during my recovery, I was uh, able to read those comments on those articles at Vegas Bright, and uh, thank you for that. Uh, and it, it was definitely a good source of inspiration, helped me to take my mind off, you know, recovery pain, things of that nature. Some of what you said was funny, which made me laugh. And I got to tell you, when you had that kind of a surgery you got stitches right there, just just underneath your just under your rib cage, and you laugh. You gotta, yeah, it kind of hurts, but uh, it was worth it. It was worth it. So I, I had this new technique of holding that area of my stomach firmly while I laugh, uh, and it helped a lot. But anyway, thanks for the best wishes, and I'll be talking all about that later on in this episode. I'll be talking about my gallstones experience, surgery to remove the gallbladder, and what the recovery is like. Uh, tips and tricks to get by uh, during recovery and readjusting uh, and and your diet uh, and uh, why it's probably not so bad but I'll be getting into all that a little bit later uh, and I know that isn't Vegas related so much but I figure I should use my experience to help others who may be going through the same thing because there sure is a lot of bullshit out there on the internet. Anyways, as always, it all starts off with Vegas news around the web, followed by the Vegas Bright Week in Review. So keep it tuned, streamed, or playing right here. The Vegas Bright Podcast is available on Vegas Radio Network, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and of course, on VegasBright.com. VegasBrights.com. All your Vegasy things, no resort fees. And we are back on the Vegas Bright podcast. And so, what we're going to do at this point is going to be Vegas news around the web. This is where we uh, bring you the stories that happened in Vegas and was posted somewhere on the web. It doesn't get much simpler than that, does it? This is these aren't. These aren't these stories from Vegas Bright. We'll be doing that a bit later. So now, let's get to the news. 
Norm Clark reports via Twitter that Chris Angel fell unconscious Friday night while attempting a straitjacket escape. He was suspended above the audience when he passed out. Audience members say he went unconscious and was spinning around limp when they lowered him. There was an immediate intermission and the show was canceled Friday night. He was treated at a local hospital for dehydration and went back to performing Saturday night at Luxor. Vital Vegas reports the Cromwell might be seeing a name change. Caesars Entertainment sent out a survey with pictures of the Cromwell, referring to it as Caesars Republic, and then asked survey takers to choose between the Cromwell or Caesars Republic as the name. From the Las Vegas Review-Journal, Station Casinos outlines plans for new slots and upgrades at Palms, the renovation of a cafe and buffet, and the installation of 280 new slot machines are among the improvements Station Casinos have begun, or are planning for the Palms, an executive told the State Gaming Control Board on Wednesday. Also from the Las Vegas Review-Journal, Olivia Newton-John has finally made it official that she's ending her Flamingo residency due to scheduling conflicts. Donnie and Marie will be adding dates to their show to fill the empty dates left behind by Olivia Newton-John. Robin Leach reports, Cosplay the show is set to open this year. It's said to be a 70-minute roller coaster of vignettes, 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 featuring custom-made costumes inspired by fan-favorite fictional characters from television, movies, books, comics, and video games. Although there is a sexy feel to the show, it is geared for a PG-13 audience. Ah, sexy but geared for PG-13. Sounds like John Reuven. Also from Robin, the Backstreet Boys premiered their resident show Larger Than Life at Axis at Planet Hollywood last Wednesday night. Within an hour of the curtain coming down, the five boy banders had been renewed for more shows, taking them into 2018. Vital Vegas reports that Las Vegas gets its first strip club to accept Bitcoin. A new strip club in Las Vegas, The Legends Room, opens in April of this year, will be the first in Sin City and possibly the world to accept Bitcoin. The Legends Room will also accept traditional forms of payment. Edge Vegas has five downtown places to get pancakes since Dupar's is closed. He lists Denny's, Eat, El Cortez, Hash House, Agogo, and MTO Cafe. For reasons why, you can go ahead and read the article. I'd say more about it, but apparently we spelled his name with a K instead of a C, so uh, we don't want to get on his bad side. The Raiders just might make it to Vegas after all. Bank of America has agreed to be the financier of the Raiders Stadium. In meetings Monday with the NFL Stadium and Finance Committees, Raiders officials reveal a new financing plan backed by Bank of America. The NFL owners will get together at the end of this March. Nope, not this March. We are in March. (laughs) The NFL owners will get together at the end of this month, March, to vote on the Raiders' proposed move to Vegas. And that's it for news around the web. You could see these and other stories in our article, Shit You May Have Missed While the Cromwell Faced an Identity Crisis. And when we come back, it's the Vegas Bright Weekend Review featuring the stories we brought you from March 6th to March 10th, 2017. We'll be back after this. 
VegasBright.com. We're not only a podcast. We cover news about shows, hotels, restaurants, and gambling. We also feature the Vegasy buzz around town like new construction, renovations, and future openings, as well as reviews of places to eat, experiences, hotel stays, and new things to do. And occasionally, we offer a sneak peek behind construction walls to see how a new place is coming along. VegasBright.com. Boy, am I rusty. I didn't know I was going to be this rusty. I mean, it's only been a month and a half since I did a show, but I used to host radio, damn it. And now it's time for the Vegas Break. We can review the portion of our show where we look back at the stories we brought you last week on Vegas Break. I posted, we're back, baby, to let the readers know articles were coming back and to thank everyone for the well wishes. Yeah, that's not really Vegas related, so let's move on. Blonde Forever shared how Boyd's Young and Heart promotion is now for locals only, but then an update. Boyd reversed their stance, but we're waiting for the fine print to change because the fine print has not changed on the site yet, even though their reps said they were going back to letting locals participate in Boyd's Young at Heart promotion. I shared a story on how the Rio opened its floor to Stadium Baccarat. It's a fun game. And it's an easy game. In fact, I think I'm even going to play that game. Genadius shows us Planet Hollywood's renovated floors, including the new ultra-hip room remodel. Really like that room. It's looking really good. I particularly like that, that they have this alarm clock. And what it does is that it has two USB chargers in it, so you can charge two, device, uh, two devices while you sleep. But also, it connects via Bluetooth so you can stream audio from your phone or whatever device you have. To the clock. It's pretty cool. Kind of liking it. I might get one of those clocks one day. <laughs> Big AZ Marty reveals the new Burgundy Room at the end of the hall version at Paris, Las Vegas. Great room. Great pictures. Another place I wouldn't mind staying. You should go check that out. Reader Wannabe Rocker has had it with Vegas. The nickel and diming, the tight machines, and other various Vegas things that us tourists tend to gripe about. Uh, you should go there and check out that article as well. And that's it for the Vegas Bright Weekly Review. You can see these and other stories in our article, Shit You May Have Missed While the Cromwell Faced an Identity Crisis, which is the same article with our Vegas Around the Web stuff for last week. When we come back, I'll be talking about gallstones, gallbladder removal, and what to expect if it happens to you. It isn't exactly Vegas-related, but I figure my experience should be used to help others. If you're just here for the Vegas stuff, feel free to stop listening to this episode. I won't take it personally. We'll be back after this. VegasBrights.com. All your Vegasy things, no resort fees. And welcome back to the Vegas Bright Podcast. So what I wanted to do at this particular time is to share with you guys and gals and anyone who might be facing this or found this in a search or maybe this was recommended to you because you're expected, you might have some some gallstone issues, you might have a gallbladder issue, and you're probably looking around trying to find what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to eat and all that stuff. 
And so this is where I want to share experience. There are a lot of websites out there that are going to tell you a bunch of stuff and then recommend some sort of product that has not been tested by the USDA. These sites don't really give two shits about your health as much as they do about making money uh, and using your anxiety and your medical condition as sort of a, a venue for them to make this money. So I don't believe any of that shit. Yeah, there's a lot of sites out there. Oh, all you have to do is do a liver flush and, and drink this concoction. And uh, yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, the more you read about it and people who've done it, the more you'll find that it doesn't work for everybody. And that's because gallstones can get pretty damn big. And you shouldn't be trying to flush it out of your out of your gallbladder if 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 you have a big gallstone because if it gets stuck in the if it gets stuck in the bile duct you're looking at some very serious serious complications which can lead to pancreatitis uh, you can rupture your gallbladder that way uh, you can end up not only in the hospital it can it can fucking kill you go see a fucking doctor. If you're scared of doctors or don't like doctors or you don't go for checkups or you try to avoid doctors or you're worried about how much it's going to cost, you're not going to be able to live with the pain. Unless you die, then, well, then you're dead with the pain. But go see a fucking doctor. Seriously. Just just go get it done. It isn't as bad as you might think. So let me tell you what happened to me. Uh, it was a Tuesday night, early Wednesday morning. It was one in the morning. And I started getting a weird sensation that I've never quite felt before. It was a pain. It was under my ribcage. Uh, and it was it was big. And it was a pain that radiated right under my ribcage to my chest, straight to my back. I'm not sure if it wrapped around to the chest, uh, wrapped around to the back, or went straight to the back. I don't recall that. But it mimicked a heart attack. It was difficult to breathe. I could only take short breaths, and I and I kept thinking, all right, I'm not sure what this is. Maybe it'll go away. Let me see if it gets better. Let me see if it gets worse. And I could not get comfortable. I would try to get up and walk around. I would pace around, and I didn't know what was going on, and I had a lot of worry and had a lot of concern because I've never experienced anything like that in my life. I wrestled with it for about two hours and realized it wasn't getting any better. It was only getting worse, and that's when I woke up my wife and asked her to drive me to the emergency room. Uh, of course, uh, you know, she, uh, in her concern, uh, began to worry, and I, I could tell she was very, very worried, and I told her, I just, I need you to not freak out. It might not be anything major. Let's just get to the ER and see what's going on. So... Off to the ER we went. I described my symptoms, uh, and they bring me in immediately, uh, wheeled me into a room, got me into a bed, and set me up with an EKG. They uh, did some x-rays. They did blood work. They uh, popped an IV in me. They did a an ultrasound. And... They told me that my heart was fine because I was very worried about it. Uh, heart disease kind of runs uh, in my family, so it was it's a big concern for me. Uh, however, they said, your heart is fine. 
but you do have a large gallstone uh, in your gallbladder. They were able to see one in the ultrasound. And uh, they recommended me to a surgeon, and they recommended surgery. Uh, so I get out of there, oh, I forget what time it was, maybe 7 in the morning, uh, and maybe 7.30 or something, exhausted, loaded up with morphine, Zofran to help the nausea, and um, then they gave me some stronger stuff right before I left. So I was, I sang EO11. Yo, eleven, and my wife tells me I did. I don't, I don't remember it, but I did. Um, and it was just about, you know, trying to see everything I could learn about this. It was Wednesday, so I'm looking for stuff online, and just it got more and more confusing about what I can eat. The, the, the hospital staff said to try to avoid fat. They said go low fat or no fat. Uh, so I don't agitate anything and I was like, okay, and I'm trying to do research about it. And of course, all this stuff about, oh, do this, uh, do this liver flush and do that. And you know, just like shit that it gets, gets in the way. So I stick to things like WebMD and, uh, uh, live strong and, uh, stuff like that. Um, a buddy of mine is a doctor and I texted him, uh, and, you know, he basically explained the procedure, what needs to be done, um, and basically said it just gets worse. Uh, so I started th- being defiant of, well, you know what, I can just live with it, and if, if I manage my diet, I should be fine. And I found these people with blogs about living with gallstones and, uh, you know, how, you know, they're going to change their diet, they're going to do this and do that, and it, it, uh, that was nice. And oh, I'm trying this and I'm trying that and I'm trying the third. Uh, And you read further down, further down, some posts away, and they end up having the surgery. So it isn't something that you just live with and everything is going to be okay. Uh, Although for some people, one out of four people have a gallbladder attack and then never have one again. I was hoping I was in that one in four, but I wasn't. Uh, So I kept doing research. The following Sunday, I was putting my podcast notes together, uh, getting ready to do uh, this episode, the episode that should have been episode 29, uh, getting ready to do that, uh, let's see, I think it was the, uh, when was it, was it the, I'm not even sure, I think it was, oh, I remember now, so it was February 19th. Yeah, it was February 19th, and uh, was it February 19th? I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, it was February 19th. I was putting my co- podcast notes together. And as I'm doing that, I start having another gallbladder attack. I don't know what I did to piss it off. To be honest with you, I had a veggie egg white for uh, with you know, veggie egg white for breakfast, which I've had before, you know, since I got, I've gone out of the hospital and I was fine. So it made no sense to me why it was happening whatsoever. I I didn't go against the, the low fat rule. Uh, and I was befuddled. Like, why is it happening again? I didn't do anything to piss it off. And I, I remember just, uh, I just had gotten done with my podcast notes and I remember just being like, oh no, this is getting worse. This is getting worse. 
and I asked my wife to go to the supermarket for me because I read about something that seemed to have really good results, which was apple cider vinegar and apple juice. Uh, it's eight ounces of apple cider, and it's, um, I think, two tablespoons, one or two tablespoons of apple cider vinegar. You mix it together, and you drink it straight down, and it's supposed to alleviate the pain of a gallbladder attack within 15 minutes. And it worked. Now, it is great, and it only masks the issue uh, because you still have some serious stuff going on. It doesn't cure you. It just alleviates the pain of a gallbladder attack. And there comes a point where that won't work anymore from what I've read. So I knew that it was just masking an issue because I'm being real about it. I'm not going to be like, all right, I'll just carry a bottle of apple juice with apple cider vinegar with me every day. And then if it happens again, I'll drink that down and I'll be fine and go back to living my life. Because uh, it would just be masking an issue, which means that under it all, it will just continue to get worse and worse. So how bad was it really? Well, I'm going to get to that. So two days later, two days after that Sunday, it was Tuesday, I met with a surgeon, uh, you know, about the surgery. And I told him, you know, I know it's only going to get worse. So, you know, I'm on board. Let's get it taken care of. I seem to be more concerned with the kind of food I can have after the surgery. Like, I'll be able to go to Gallagher's and have a ribeye. Unbeknownst to me, uh, until I did some research, that the ribeye is the fattiest piece of steak that you can get. Uh, of course, this is just under Kobe beef and Wagyu or Wago or whatever it's called, where they fatten up their cows even more uh, to make it more flavorful. But the ribeye, uh, yeah, delicious because of fat. Fat is flavor when it comes to steak. So I was worried about about if I what I can have. I was worried about if I can eat burgers again. You know me, I review burgers. You know, I go to Vegas, I eat a burger, I review that damn burger. And I put it on Vegas Bright and I write an article. I'm like, boom, check out this burger. Uh I like food. You know, I like food. You know, food is, is kind of a cool little personal experience. You know, if I've never had a certain meal before, you get to take pictures of it. Most places are not against you taking pictures of food. It's not like you go to a museum or a show or uh, a freaking casino even. Uh, no one's against you taking pictures of the place. No one's against you taking pictures of the food. So I get to take pictures. I get to experience it. You know, it's a nice little experience. It's not just food, it's an experience that I get to have, and then I get to write about it. So I like doing food stuff. I'm not a foodie by any means, but I, I just like doing food articles. I, I like eating food. Who doesn't like tasty freaking food? So, yeah. So I was concerned because that means that's, that's going to affect, you know, my my trips in Vegas about, like, what I'm going to be able to eat and what I can do and what I'm going to be writing about at Vegas Bright, like, what? Well, I'm not going to be, if I can't do food anymore, then, then what am I going to do, you know? And I was concerned, you know, I was concerned. Uh, so the doctor didn't really seem to care too much about that. He more wanted to explain the procedure and what to expect. You know, he wanted to, like, you know, do his job, uh, which is to tell me what to expect, what the surgery is going to be like, what the recovery is going to be like, what it's for, what it's going to do for me. And I'm all about, yeah, yeah, but can I have a steak? So he wasn't too pleased with that, I could tell. Uh, but that means he's just a good doctor. Uh, and he did his job and I paid attention. And so I told him about, you know, I had my first gallbladder attack and it was a Wednesday and the following Sunday I had another one. And uh, he gave me a look and said, we should probably fast track this. And I was like, Okay, uh, your next available one, you know, I'm down. So he had me go to the scheduler, and the scheduler, and he put me down for uh, two weeks 
from that day because he had an opening at the hospital that I went to. So he figured that was going to be it. But he said the scheduler might find something earlier. And if I want to take that, I could take that. And it turns out there was one two days later for me to go to. So I took that. And let me tell you what to expect uh, for the surgery. So before your surgery, here's what you do. When you get out of the ER because you had a gallstone attack, avoid fat, do low fat, uh, stay away from greasy, stay away from fried, stay away from, just stay away from greasy fried things. Uh, greasy and fried being two different things. If it's greasy, avoid it. If it's fried, avoid it. Uh, do low fat everything. Dairy, do low fat, do no fat, maybe do skim. Uh, and if you drink lactate, there's a no fat version of that too. It's in a purple container. Uh, and you will find that you start, you know, purple is the new red, you know, things that had a red label on it. Well, you're going for that purple one now, you know, that's, you're going to do the heart healthy stuff, the weight healthy stuff. You're going to do it. And I got to tell you, it was, it's not as bad as you, as you might think it is. Um, Greek salads are great, it has feta cheese and it has chicken and it's feta cheese is not a bad cheese for you. Uh, it's got a, it's got a. Balsamic vinaigrette, it's delicious, got romaine, uh, so good, uh, it's just, uh, onions, it's good, you can do vegetables, uh, avoid high fiber, high fiber might set you off, uh, so yeah, there's that, but it isn't as bad as you think, oatmeal for breakfast, uh, oatmeal, apple cinnamon for breakfast, it's tasty, and it's a, it's very cheap, uh, and a Greek wrap for lunch, and you know, for dinner, uh, you know, Chick-fil-A I found is great. Uh, they do, it is now you might think, oh, Chick-fil-A is fried chicken. Well, it is, but it's the kind of oil that they use is peanut oil. They don't use, you know, vegetable oil or, you know, some other oil. So it's, it's, it, it, it didn't have any issues with me. I didn't react to it any, you know, weird. There's this one little piece on the, and you want to get the number one at Chick-fil-A. You don't want the other stuff, but you get the number one and you just make sure that there's this little piece that sticks out that seems to be the most fried and oily part, just rip it off and don't eat that. You'll be fine. But eating healthy uh, isn't really as scary as it seems, and it eating healthy can still be tasty. Uh, so there's that. And you want to just avoid fat, do low fat, you know, up until your surgery. The day of the surgery, after midnight of the day of the surgery, you can't have anything by mouth. So what I would suggest you do, depending on what time your surgery is, is just to sleep for most of the day. You're going to need your strength. Sleep for most of the day. Get up, brush your teeth, shower, go to the place. You got to have somebody with you because you're going to be drugged. You will not be able to drive when you get out of there. Uh, don't even don't even think of it. Bring someone with you. You're going to want someone who's going to be with you for 24 hours uh, in the event that there is, you know, something goes wrong. It's rare, but it can happen if there's like a blood clot or something like that, or, you know, just to pay attention to you because you're going to be wobbly. You're going to be drugged. You're, you know, you're going to want someone by your side. So make sure you get someone by your side. Uh, basically, you go in, I went into the place, uh, answered some more questions, and uh, they put me in a room. Sorry for all the us. I'm just trying to recall everything. Uh, put on the hospital gown and all that, uh, and you know, just talk to my wife. Uh, 
came with an IV and popped it in my arm. Uh, the anesthesiologist showed up, Dr. Cox. He's very funny. Uh, pretty much what you'd expect a Dr. Cox to be if you've watched Scrubs, although he's, this mine was funnier. And, you know, explained, you know, just, you know, asked me some questions. Have you had an anesthesia before? I'm like, no. He's like, okay, well, we'll, we'll take care of it. What to expect, you know, what kind of pain I'm going to feel from the anesthesia, uh, which I'll get to in a moment. And that was it. And then my surgeon came in. It's like, hey, how's it going? You ready to go? I'm like, yeah, all right, let's do this. He's like, okay. And he leaves. And I turned to my wife and was like, let's get the hell out of here. Let's get the hell out of here. You and me, let's go get Sunday. That's our dog. And, you know, we'll get into uh, we'll get into the Tahoe and we'll just drive. We will just drive to Las Vegas and then we will park at the top of the Bellagio <laughs> parking garage that overlooks the strip and we'll just live in the Tahoe for a while. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. Oh, man. But, uh, yeah, it just seemed like a good idea. It's just like living in a Tahoe, uh, <laughs> living in a car <laughs> on top of a parking structure in Las Vegas. So a nurse would come in, you know, and draw some blood or whatever she did or through the IV or whatever. Is everything all right? Yeah, everything's great. And she would leave. And I'm like, seriously, let's get the hell out of here. Like, let's just get going right now. And my wife was like, you don't want that. You know that. I'm like, no, I think I do. I think uh, I think I can live with the pain. She's like, no, you can't. You, you looked into it. It's just going to get worse. You know, and kept reminding me of all the things I pointed out about it. Uh, so they come in. You ready? I'm ready. Uh, they uh, get behind the bed and start pushing, uh, rolling me into the operating room. Uh I tell my wife I love her. She loves me back. And I, all I remember is rolling towards the room. I don't remember the inside of the room. I, I don't remember anything about it. I remember at one point opening my eyes and there's a mask over me. And then my eyes closed again. And that's all I remember from inside the room. And it seemed like everybody was to my left uh, at kind of a distance. They weren't immediately on me or operating. They were just to my left. That's all I remember about the procedure itself. So that's good because I don't want to remember it if I, you know, if I wouldn't want to remember it. Next thing I remember is coming out of it, uh, coming out of it, grogginess, anesthesia, you know, there's a, a loud beeping and a nurse who, who uh, spoke very loudly to me. She didn't yell, but she was, uh, and said, take deep breaths, take deep breaths. So I'm like, and I did that until the beeping stopped and she's like, okay, good. And then I started falling asleep and then it started beeping again. And she's like, take deep breaths, take deep breaths. And it had to do with oxidation or something like that. Uh, because of the anesthesia, they said I was kind of pale. So I had to keep taking deep breaths and get some oxidation going on in my blood or whatever. They had my, they had me hooked up to some sort of a monitor for that. Um, you know, and, and the more I came out of it, the better I got, you know, I started getting color back and everything and everything was fine. Um, I was groggy. I said things, uh, I, I quoted a line from Seinfeld who told you to put the bomb on. Uh, I said that apparently my wife tells me, um, they, they got me up and walking. I didn't feel much pain when I got up cause cause they gave me the good stuff. But so I got up and I'm walking and they're holding me, you know, to make sure I don't fall. But I was, I was pretty fine on my own. I was pretty okay. 
uh, got dressed. Now, here's the thing. During the procedure, let me explain what they're going to do because I said I would tell you about it, right? I just because I don't remember it doesn't mean I don't know what they did because it was explained to me and I researched it. They're going to give you three, maybe four incisions depending on your weight. I got three. One is through your navel. One is right underneath your rib cage, and one's going to be to your right. Uh, they're going to be putting a camera in you, and then there's going to be two uh, two tools um, that are going to they're going to use to sort of you know grab the gallbladder and do whatever they do with it and get it out of you. Uh, that's basically how it goes. So you will come out of there. You will have three small incisions. Uh, it's rare they do the big open operation for it anymore. It does happen, but it's in very rare circumstances. So don't worry about that too much. Consult with your surgeon. Uh, and, you know, that's basically it. You will, you know, you go home. They're going to prescribe you some Percocets. Take your Percocets. They're your friend. Uh <laughs> Take your Percocets. I can't tell you enough to take your Percocets. I mean, that's that's huge. So you want to take your Percocets, and you're gonna go home, and you know it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to try to move around. Bending is is gonna be rough. Uh, and what happened was, I remember getting home. I remember walking around because they said walk around. You know, walk around. And then you sleep and get up and walk around. And they, they were telling you, you need to get up and walk around. As you're recovering, get up and walk around. Uh, because that will prevent blood clots from happening. Uh, especially within that first 24 hours. So you want to get up and walk around. And you want to get up and walk around five times a day. That will be no problem. And let me explain why. Because the first night, the pain started up again. And it, to me, felt like a gallbladder attack. It was like pain was right, right underneath my rib cage. But of course, you know why? Because that's where an incision is. So there is that. And there's also leftover gas from the operation. When they have those, the camera and the two, um, let's call them pincers inside of you, they inflate your abdomen with a CO2 gas and it will expand your stomach and give them a lot of room to move around. Uh, so they get as much out of there as they could, but some remains trapped in your body. That's going to be where the pain comes from. So it's going to be trapped underneath uh, your diaphragm, and your diaphragm and your shoulders share a nerve, so you will feel the pain in your shoulders. You will feel bloated because of the gas. You will feel pain because of the incisions. So, you know, there's different pains happening, and when you put them together, you're thinking, oh my God, another gallbladder attack, but it isn't. And what you do is you just get up, and you kind of have to because you will not be able to lie flat. Get up and walk around. You can lie flat after a while. You will be able to sleep. But you just but the pain is so sharp, you just have to get up. That's what it is. And you just get up and you walk around and you breathe. And just remember, you're not having a gallstone attack. You're not having a gallbladder attack. It's just the gas leaving, you know, that's trapped in the body. They want you to be upright because it helps the gas move around. That's basically it. And it went away, and I felt better, and I went to sleep. And then in the middle of the night, I woke up in pain. 
and I was like, I gotta get up. I gotta get up. I gotta get up. It was a sharp pain. And my wife helped me get up and I just started walking around and walking around, pacing, pacing and breathing, pacing and breathing. Um, and then it subsided and I ended up sleeping on the couch for the rest of the night because the couch has got a good elevation. So it's easier to get in and get out of, uh, than the bed. And, uh, that's where I ended up. Uh, the next morning, uh, woke up and not as painful. Um, but there is pain. Uh, so you get up and you take your Percocets and when you get up, you're going to want to stay up for a while. You're going to want to walk around. You're going to want to breathe and you're going to want to stay upright as much as you can. One of the things that I found to be very helpful is that I would sit on the arm of the couch and sort of straddle it like a saddle. Uh, and it keeps me upright yet. I could sit. So if you have a stool, that might work. But, uh, oh, speaking of stool, we'll get to that in a moment too. But yeah, so straddle the arm of the couch like you're sitting on a horse or something so that you're as upright as possible. It really does help to be upright. It really does help that gas to move around and find a way out. So I highly recommend that. So you get up, you're in pain, you take your Percocets, beware of the dosage, and go according to the dosage. Uh, You can't eat. But your appetite will not be anything what it was for a while. And that's fine. Uh, let's see. So, oh, and by the way, about the procedure, you're in and out the same day. Like the procedure takes literally an hour. One hour is prep, one hour is surgery, and then you go home. So it's same day. Rarely would you would they keep you overnight. So, just so you know. Uh, let's see, we're... I had notes here and I haven't been following them, but I actually did tell you everything. Oh yeah, so you're gonna wanna take deep breaths. They're gonna give you this little machine and it's got three balls in it. And you have to inhale with this hose to your mouth from that little machine thing. It's a little plastic machine with a with a little hose on it and a little mouthpiece. And make sure you hold the mouthpiece to the hose. Like it's gonna be inserted, but Air escapes, so you just want to tighten it up with your hand and get a good firm grip on it. And you have to inhale and try to get all the balls to rise to the top. And you want to do that six times an hour. The reason why you're doing that is because it prevents your lungs from gathering fluid. uh, Because during the operation, there will be a tube down your throat to help you breathe. So when they take the tube out, your, your lungs have to heal from that. And it's not bad. But you want to like do deep breaths six an hour or six at the start of every hour if it's easier and you just want to try your best to get those three balls up you might not be able to you might get two of them up but still you want to do that deep extended breaths that's really the point uh so you're going to want to do that uh for the first couple days um i think i did it for about three about three days I did that. If I was awake, I would suck the balls. That's <laughs> why I called it sucking those balls. Uh, and I would, if I was awake, I would do it uh, for every hour I was awake. I forgot one or two hours of it, but I ended up being fine. Just when you remember, you know, just do it. Just set a reminder just to do it. Um, but yeah, so Friday, you know, you wake up. I say Friday, but day one post-op because I had my surgery on a Thursday. Day one post-op, uh, you wake up. Take your Percocets, walk around, suck those balls. Uh, have juice. You can have clear liquids. Uh, 
they, they recommend after the surgery you have clear liquids and they recommend that you have uh, low fat for, you know, a couple of weeks and then you can slowly introduce things and see how it goes. Um, but yeah, no, it's just, you know, you have juice, you can have jello, uh, you can have toast, animal crackers, uh, you know, small things. I ate small things and I didn't have much of an appetite. Uh, anytime I was getting up, uh, I would have to hold a pillow against my stomach to reduce the pain when I was getting up. That was like the worst part is getting up. Once you're up, you're kind of good. You know, you, once you're up, you're good. Like you'll have incision pain, but you're good. Like, you know, it's there, but you're good. You have your Percocets even better. Uh, getting up is just the worst. That's like, uh, uh, uh. Uh, but once you're up, it's like, I'm up, you know, you breathe, you relax and you're like, okay, I got this. And you move on, um, rinse, repeat. And I was able to have, I believe on Friday, Chick-fil-A for dinner, which, ah, Chick-fil-A is great because now you might say it's fried chicken, but it's the oil that they use. So you can have Chick-fil-A good stuff. Uh, day two, uh, post-op, uh, there was still some gas pain. I had oatmeal for breakfast. Uh, I was staying upright, doing the thing on the couch where I'm sitting on the arm of the couch and staying upright. And then I would get up and walk around, I'd suck them balls and get up and walk around. Uh, and that's pretty much, that was my day. I don't remember what I ate, but I know I had oatmeal for breakfast and it was a Saturday. I probably had Chick-fil-A for dinner for lunch. I, I probably had like toast and a banana or something. It's, you're going to be hungry, but it isn't going to be the same appetite. Uh, and you might be a little, have some trepidation about eating things cause you're not, cause you're worried about what it's going to do. Uh, but you'll be fine, but just have like little meals, little meals. Your body is recovering. Just have little meals. Uh, day three post-op felt much better. No more gas pains. It was just incision pain, but you have your Percocets. You're good. Had a veggie egg white for breakfast, which I was scared of, but I was fine. <laughs> I think I had like jello and animal crackers for lunch. Uh, and I think I had toast and a banana for dinner. Um, and my appetite wasn't quite near what it used to be. Uh, day four post-op, better than I was the day before. Every day gets better. The pain is very minor. Um, uh, I decided to stop taking the Percocets, um, uh, I probably had oatmeal for breakfast, maybe toast for lunch and Chick-fil-A for dinner, you know, and you're just still doing the same things. You're going to get up and you're going to walk around and you're going to suck those balls and, you know, just, you don't want to get pneumonia. That's why you have to do the balls thing. Otherwise the fluid in your lungs, you might get pneumonia. So you got to do those deep breaths to help flush it out. That's what that's all about. Really? By the time day five rolled around, um, the pain was even more minor than it was the day before. Uh, and I still wasn't on any painkillers. Uh, and you know, day five is, is a nice day. Day five after the operation post op five is like, yeah, you know, you you're feeling like you again. Uh, I was able to work from home. I was able to drive to go pick up my lunch and I had a Greek salad wrap for lunch and it was very tasty. Um, appetite was returning to normal, had Chick-fil-A for dinner and for every day since then, it just got better and better. The pain is less and less. And, you know, it's it becomes all about seeing what you can do. There are some restrictions. You can't lift nine pounds or above for, I think, two weeks. And then you can't lift 15 pounds 
for like another four, I think. Uh, so yeah, you know, just gotta watch what you're lifting. And for good reference, a gallon of milk weighs nine pounds. So when you're about to lift something, just think to yourself, does it weigh more than a gallon of milk? Maybe I shouldn't be lifting it, you know, uh, things like that. But every day just gets easier and easier. Definitely do low fat to no fat for your first week. Uh, and just, you know, give your body a chance, you know, to recover. You know, there's an organ you don't have anymore. And the gallbladder's job was to disperse stored bile into your small intestine when you eat fatty foods. It isn't there anymore. So your body is going to adapt eventually, but you don't want to rush it. You don't want to start eating like greasy fried foods. Uh, you want to like stay away from that for a bit. Um, but there's plenty of other things you can eat that are tasty. And for me, what I did is I waited. Let me pull up the calendar and see how long I waited before I tried anything greasy. So a week and yeah, it was a week and a day later. That would be the 3rd of March. I decided to have a Wendy's burger, not a double patty burger. A single patty, just to see how it is. Because my doctor said you have to start testing. Uh, you know, And testing means you, know, you, you try something and see how you are with it. And he suggested I try ice cream. He said, the first, he said that I should test it with ice cream. Probably because ice cream has a lot of fat in it. It's got dairy in it and loads of calories and then I would know if, because I was worried. I mean, I hear all these stories about if you get your gallbladder removed, you will constantly be getting bile delivered straight into your small intestine, which will give you diarrhea for the rest of your life. And that's not always the case. Uh, I haven't really had those. I don't want to get into it, but, you know, I haven't really had the problem. Uh, so I'm, I'm pretty all right. So I had a Wendy's burger and, you know, did it close to home where I had Wendy's and came back here here to the house and, you know, in case I needed to run to a bathroom or something and no issues. So the next day, Saturday, which is now week two days after surgery, I said, okay, I'm going to try ice cream. So the trick is eat light, eat low fat, and then you have your fatty thing and see how it goes. If you have fatty for breakfast, fatty for lunch, fatty for dinner, you're not going to know what's giving you the issue. So low-fat breakfast, low-fat lunch, and then, like, you know, a fatty thing later. So Saturday, last Saturday, I had Chick-fil-A for dinner, and then I, and because I, I knew that wasn't going to do anything to me because that's already a safe food for me, and then I had ice cream to see how that would go, and I was fine. So I'm like, okay, this is good. So now I know I can have ice cream, I can have a Wendy's burger, you know, and just, you gotta, you gotta test run stuff. By the way, I want to say, uh, give a special shout out to Phil States, um, for giving me some really great advice the other day when I was at my wits end and tired of reading bullshit on the internet. Uh, so thanks Phil. And anyways, back to what I'm talking about. So that's just the way it's going to be. You're going to try stuff and see how it goes. Don't try a bunch of things at once because if something sets you off, and when I say sets you off, what I mean is your body can react to having too much fat at once without a gallbladder there to 
convert that extra bile. So what will happen? You can have really bad indigestion. You can have uh, painful gas, and you might have the runs. Uh, the runs won't last forever, but you know it's just one or all three of those things will happen. So you don't want to eat a bunch of things because then you won't know what set it off. So it's good to go one at a time, one day at a time. Uh, so let's see, I have been doing oatmeal for breakfast every day because when I had it before surgery, I realized, wow, I kind of missed oatmeal. I forgot how delicious it was and how cheap it is. So I've been doing oatmeal for breakfast. That's been fine for lunch. When I'm at work, I will get a Greek salad wrap. It's chicken, it's lettuce, it's onions, it's balsamic vinaigrette, and it tastes delicious. Pair that with a bag of sun chips and you are in good business. Like, you know, if you feel like you're not too happy with the, you know, eating that chicken, pop a sun chip in your mouth when you're eating that chicken and it will set it off. Let me tell you. It, I mean, set it off in a good way. Like, it's like the flavor is like, what? Sun chips are delicious. I, for, I forgot how great sun chips are. They're not fried. They're baked chips. You can have baked potato chips and you'll be okay. Uh, so, oh, so good. And so I've been doing that. And then on Thursday, was it Thursday? Friday. Oh, man, Friday. Friday, they decided to have, you know, a, a lunch for everybody at work, and they brought in pizza, which is one of the things I heard you're not supposed to have, because the grease, the grease will give you give you issues. Uh, so I was like, what do I do? So I was like, well, I can try it and see what happens. It's been two weeks since my surgery now. So two weeks in a day. So let me give it a shot. So I had a, didn't have a huge slice. I mean, it was sliced kind of weird from the place they get it from. So there were squares in there and the square must've been about, I don't know, four by six, four by five. And, uh, it was, you know, a thin crust pizza and had cheese. It had a chunk of sausage on there, which was scary to me because, uh, sausage is just so much fat, uh, and pepperoni. And so I dabbed the hell out of there, soaked up all the grease because you don't need the grease. The grease does not add to the flavor. So you soak up all the grease you know, with a paper towel and soaked it all up, ate that square, and then chilled for a bit, see what would happen. Nothing happened. No bad reaction whatsoever. Now, maybe if it was a thicker crust or had extra cheese on it, that might have been a thing. Or if it was loaded with sausage and pepperonis, might be a thing. But now I know I can have that pizza. I can have a square of it and be fine. Maybe next time I'll get a bigger square and see how that goes. And then, you know, it didn't really fill me up, but I didn't want to tempt fate. So I went and got my Greek wrap. I had half of that Greek wrap to help fill me up and I was fine. Um, and then I said, well, that was okay. And it was like six hours, seven hours later, uh, after eating the pizza, nothing happened, had dinner, Went to Wendy's. It was Friday night. Me and the wife went to Wendy's and I got a, a Dave's double. I said, let me see what happens with two beef patties on a burger and see if that has an effect on me. And I also had ice cream and <laughs> no ill effects whatsoever. So now I'm starting to, so that's basically what it's like is you're going to try something, try it a little bit and then try a bit more and just see how it works, you know, and you have to sort of test things out and just see how you are with it. Um, and that's it. And, you know, after, and then you'll start to develop, uh, I don't want to say a repertoire, but a, a list of what you can and can't have. And then you'll know. 
then you'll know what's going to be bad for you, what's going to give you the runs, what you might not want to order in public, uh, and, and what you can have. And for me, it's more about just knowing what I can and can't have. Now, I don't want to, you know, I like the fact that I lost 10 pounds since I landed in the ER, um, and I want to continue to lose weight. So I don't want to go back to eating unhealthy, but I like just knowing that I can, that, you know, if I'm in Vegas and someone says, hey man, let's go to Pizza Rock or, you know, hey man, let's go to Wahlburgers, that I can, you know, and that's really all that concerns me is that when I'm in Vegas, I can eat tasty things. And if, if I know that I can eat tasty things in Vegas, that makes me happy. Well, I get a burger maybe every Friday night when I'm out here, which is not in Vegas, yeah, but it's not, it isn't a five day a week kind of a thing, you know, uh, you know, Friday night you'd have a burger and ice cream, you know, hang out with the wife, watch a, watch a movie. Uh, and you know, it's just a fun night, you know? So, uh, Saturday, you know, we do Chick-fil-A and you know, I'm fine. Um, Sundays, I still haven't figured out Sundays yet. I used to have, you no, know, I used to have, uh, I used to have these really, really delicious wings, wonderful hot wings with blue cheese that you dip them into. I miss those things. I'm not supposed to have chicken skin as I understand it. So, or maybe I'm supposed to try it and figure it out. Or maybe the spices of the hot sauce might set me off. I don't know because I haven't tested it yet. At the same time, I'm kind of scared too. So I'm not sure. So you develop your repertoire of what you can have and what you can't have. And if you try something and it gives you a bad reaction, uh, like those three things I mentioned, indigestion, bad gas pains, and diarrhea. Don't give up hope. Your body is still figuring out how to work without your gallbladder. So try it again in a month or two and, and see if you have the same reaction. You might not. Um, I, From what I hear, after a couple of months, things sort of adjust. And so maybe you'll have something that you had before that two-month period that was fine that might not be fine. You sort of start it over again and see what you can and can't have. Uh, I know people who have got that gallbladders out and they are eating everything under the sun and they are absolutely fine. Uh, so will that happen to me? I don't know. I, I, we'll see. But nine out of ten times, you know, you can go back to the life that you were living. Just do remember, though, that you got where you were sometimes because of a bad diet. Sometimes it's just a bad gallbladder. So, you know, think about your health. I mean, if anything, for me, this was an eye-opening experience because, you know, it mimics a heart attack, you know, and it's like, woof, what am I eating? You know, and it's just, you know, I'm kind of overweight, you know, and I, I kind of want to approach things differently now. And I'm just at an age where I want to approach things differently. So I hope that this has been helpful. Uh, so you know what to expect if you have gallstone pains, what to expect with the surgery, what to expect for the recovery. As I'm recording this, I am two and it's a two and a half weeks since my surgery. I feel great. I feel very optimistic. I don't have pain anymore. The dermabond is oh dermabond. Oh man, I forgot this. All right, you might have glue instead of stitches, and it looks like crazy glue is on your on your incisions. Don't panic. It's called dermabond. The basically you could shower with it. Uh, the doctor said I could wait two days. The paperwork said I could wait three. It was confusion. I don't like conflicts of information. So I went to Dermabond's official website and got their official instructions. And if I remember correctly, they said I could get it wet or shower four days 
post-operatively. So you might want to sort of sponge bathe yourself for a few days, go around the wounds or but not on them really. You just want to get close to it and you know clean yourself up. Just you know stand over by your your bathroom sink and sort of you know do it that way for a few days and then you know on the fifth day, get into the shower and do it that way and, and you'll be fine. You won't smell because you're still washing yourself. You just don't have water constantly rushing over you. When you do dry the Dermabond, dab it. Don't rub it. Uh, don't scrape it. Uh, if you're in the shower with it, do not use one of those exfoliant things like a... Is that a helicopter flying over my house? Interesting. Uh, don't use an exfoliant kind of a thing. Don't use a loofah. Because you might scrape it off, uh, you know, just just go with like a soft face cloth, um, you know, and some mild soap. Um, don't scrub it. Uh, you just wipe it. Uh, you could do that. You can wipe it. Don't scrub it. Uh, don't apply too much force to it. You don't want to get the dermabond off prematurely. You might end up having problems. You don't want it to open up too soon. Uh, what else can I tell you? Yes, after your first week. Um, it's going to be a follow-up visit with your surgeon. He's going to say, how's things going? And by your first week, you're feeling pretty much great. You're still a little bit tender, but it's, it's not that bad. So, you know, he's going to tell you, or she's going to tell you, put a heating pad on twice a day for 40 minutes to loosen up your muscles, uh, in the incision area. Cause when it heals, it might heal tight and you'll know, put on uh, that heating pad and then do some stretching, you know, to get it readjusted to what it used to be. Uh, so do that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you're going to get through it. You're going to be fine. I, I, I was, I was pretty scared of it, but I knew at the same time, it's only going to get worse. It's only going to hinder my life and it's just no way to live. It's no way to live thinking today I might have another gallbladder attack or thinking that you're going to wake up in the middle of the night with, you know, pain, um, repeatedly, uh, not just that one time or two after surgery. Uh, so just do it for you. Uh, it's not as bad as you might be imagining. If you are imagining that it's a bad thing, uh, you're knocked out for the surgery, so you're not going to remember it. Um, and the healing, the healing time really, like seriously, like a week later, I was just like, you know, back to like me, like day five, that was like back to me. But like, you know, it's just seriously, it's the best thing you can do if you're having these issues with your gallbladder, if you have gallstones. Uh, and you're facing the surgery, go and get it done. Give yourself a week of low-fat foods. This is what the doctor told me, just give yourself a week, maybe two, of low-fat foods. You don't want to eat fatty things every day. Uh, and, and then start testing and see what works, you know? Some people go to a buffet where they get out of surgery. You know, they live dangerously, but I'm, I'm just following doctor's orders, um, trying to read too much shit on the internet it'll drive you crazy bear in mind that it seems like it's nothing but bad news from people who've had the surgery but also remember that people who have a good experience don't tend to go back and comment on websites of how great their experience was because they just go on with their life so a lot of the negative reviews you might read are really just sort of a grain of sand compared to the real positive stuff that happens and so Bear that in mind. And, and also the, the negative reviews, you know, people writing about, oh, I, I can only eat pretzels and boiled chicken for the rest of my life. Sometimes they have other health-related issues. Uh, 
you know, added to the gallstone issues, the gallbladder issues that they might be omitting, uh, because it's 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 very rare that as they just have a gallstone issue, they have their gallbladder removed, and you know they have to eat pretzels for the rest of their life. It's it's just rare. There's usually other things that you know they're not thinking of. So bear that in mind, because um, the internet will scare the fuck out of you. So just <laughs> just be careful with that. Go get your surgery if you're having gallstone problems. I hope this has been a help to you. Um, so there. Uh, I'm pretty sure all the Vegas people have already stopped listening when I said you can stop listening now. Uh, if you haven't, and if you are, you know, you usually listen to the show or read us at Vegas Bright, thank you for hanging with me this long. How long is this conversation happening? I feel like it's been a while. Uh, time at the chart. Wow, just for this, just for this piece. My goodness, I'm not even going to edit anything. We just went to 49 minutes having this conversation about the surgery and gallstones and gallbladder removal and recovery. 49 minutes, my goodness. I have not gone on and talked for 49 straight minutes about anything in a long time. (laughs) Okay, I am also very, very sleepy. So I am going to wrap up this segment and when we come back, uh, shout outs and goodbyes, all that good stuff. You're listening to the Vegas Bright Podcast. Keep it tuned, streamed, or playing right here. VegasBright.com, the Vegas website where the parking is free. And welcome back to the Vegas Bright Podcast. I am exhausted. I do these things very late at night, slash very early in the morning, and that whole thing about the surgery and stuff. Wow, I didn't know I was going to talk for that long. Anyway, so let's get to the shout-outs. Thank you to everybody who wished me well. Again, I appreciated it very much, and... Thank you so, so much uh, for your comments and your well wishes. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Scott at Vital Vegas. Thanks for your support uh, DMing me during this thing. Um, seeing how I'm doing, I appreciate it. Check Scott out, vitalvegas.com. Great website and a great podcast. Check him out. Mark Meltzer, Mark with a C and a trademark sign. Mark Meltzer from edgevegas.com. Mark writes all over the internet. He like kind of is like the godfather of writing things about Las Vegas because he's just like in so many places, 85 of them to be exact. He says it's not. It is though. Check him out at his site. Edgevegas.com is where he will link to his articles that he's writing all over the place. So check him out at edgevegas.com. Adam from Vegas Fanboy. Check him out. Vegasfanboy.com. He's got a great site. He's got a great podcast. Uh, he is the king of the low rollers. Uh, check him out. Uh, check out his podcast. It's a good show. Uh, gives you a lot of tips and tricks on how to save money in Vegas and has interviews uh, with uh, uh, casino executive type people, <laughs> for lack of a better word right now. 
Oh man, I am getting loopy. Oh yeah, go check him out. Chris at Faces and Aces Las Vegas Podcast. Welcome back, Chris. Chris has restarted up his podcast, put out an episode on Saturday the 10th called 21 and Over. First time back in six months, and uh, I am very happy about that. Great to hear his voice again. He upped the production levels. Now I got to up my production levels. Everyone's got to up their production levels now. Uh, yeah, he, great show. Check it out. Uh, welcome back, Chris. Really, really glad you're back. Um, to the 360 Vegas podcast at 360vegaspodcast.com to Mark, Karen, and Tony. Uh, also to all the peeps hanging out in the 360 Vegas chat on Twitter. Uh, thanks for entertaining me with your stories giving me ideas for stories, IV drips at poolside, and things like that, what conversations we have in that place. So thank you for being part of my delirium and just trying to keep up with Vegas things, and thank you for that. Um, you guys are great. Uh, so check out the 360vegaspodcast.com. By the way, on a future episode, Raising Las Vegas, uh, who was a guest and a friend of the 360 Vegas podcast will be a guest right here on the Vegas Bright podcast. We're going to be talking about healthy places or healthy things to eat on the Strip and downtown. And I am looking forward to that episode because when I was concerned about my gallstones, I was concerned about what I can and cannot eat. Um, and I knew that the one person I can ask who is the health nut. She runs marathons. She's like, you know, she's, she's serious about health and fitness. And I knew she's the one I could go to who is going to give us, uh, plenty of great ideas of where to eat healthy on the strip and downtown. So for you tourists out there who are considering a trip to Vegas or are going back soon and want to eat healthy and looking for some tasty things to have and tasty places to have them that aren't going to take you too far off the strip or downtown uh tune into that episode it's going to be fun i'm not I, I think it might be the next episode that we do this do i sound like i'm drunk i haven't i haven't i have not drank drunk anything but i'm just so tired right now um yeah so i should not be up my body doesn't like this right now. My body is not happy. That's one thing I've noticed since the surgery. If I'm pushing it with how long I'm awake, my body is like, dude, go to bed. Uh, so I forgot to mention that. Let's keep it going. Mark Duvall and Dr. Mike, the You Can Bet on That Gambling Podcast. Thanks for the shout out. Thanks for the get well on your podcast. I appreciate it, guys. Uh, you should check out that podcast uh, if you have not checked it out. Uh, good stories, good gambling stories and gambling tips. They talk a lot about craps, but they will answer a question about just about anything. Uh, so you should check it out. It's a fun show. Uh, to Mitch and Dr. Kev at Tipping the Odds Las Vegas, Tipping the Odds Las Vegas dot com. Uh, they got a Vegas podcast going. They do Vegas news. They sometimes get into political stuff as well. Um, it's a, it's interesting because like they they kind of. They kind of, 
I mean, they're they're like buddies, but personalities are different enough that it's almost an Abbott and Costello kind of a thing. Uh, you should just check it out. Cousin Vito at Cousin Vito's Casino Podcast. Hey, how you doing? Uh, check out Cousin Vito. Check out Cousin Vito's Casino Podcast. Uh, and I forgot the website, but uh, it's out there. Just Just Google Cousin Vito's Casino Podcast. You'll find it. Google exists. You know how to use Google. You can do it. Oh, man. I am so sorry. I am so tired. And, of course, to all of us here, uh, all of us here at Vegas Brights, Greg C., Blonde Forever, Big AZ, Marty, Paper Poster, Michael James, Kelly Lamrock, Samus Yeh, Genadius, Fisherman, Matty Ice, Sailor Dude, Michelle De Palma, George Adams, Greg, Be- oh, Greg Bennett. Greg Bennett is no longer in Vegas, and he doesn't write for Vegas Bright anymore. Um, and he moved back to Florida. And I hope I wish him well on his weather pursuits when his when his uh, non compete thing expires with KTNV. Uh, it'd be great to see him on the air somewhere doing what he loves. That's gonna wrap it up for the Vegas Bright podcast. I sound tipsy, don't I? Uh, we are. I am out of here. We are out of here. I don't know. Me and my loopiness are out of here. Thank you for tuning in, even though it isn't a radio. Thank you for streaming this. We know you have other options when it comes to wasting your bandwidth, so thank you for choosing us. And thank you for staying right here. And until next time, stay Vegas and... Stay bright. Thanks for playing.